Welcome to the Nourish Nervous System, an exploration of stress, the nervous system, and transformative self-care practices for parents and other humans through the lenses of Ayurveda, holistic coaching, somatics, herbs, and much, much more. I'm the host, Kristen Timchak. I'm a holistic life coach, Ayurvedic educator, herbalist, and mother of a tiny human. Join me for information, insight, deep thoughts, and small steps to help you nourish your nervous system. Hello, and welcome or welcome back to the Nourish Nervous System podcast. This week, I'm going to do a deep dive into kapha dosha. If you're brand new to Ayurveda and this podcast, you can get the basics in episode two, The Lens of Ayurveda. Kapha is one of the three Ayurvedic constitutions. To learn more about the other two, you can listen to episode three, Vata, Vata, and episode eight, O Pitta, You're Hot. So Kapha Dosha is the Ayurvedic constitution made up of earth and water elements. When I think about healthy Kapha in the macrocosm, I think about the springy, moist ground in a temperate forest, healthy marsh ecosystems, a cool, misty spring morning, moss on rocks or the ground. When I think about unhealthy kapha in the macrocosm, I think about flooding, mudslides, areas with too much standing stagnant water and mud. If you've been listening for a few episodes, you know that I am moving across the country from Nevada County in California to Midcoast, Maine. Nevada County is a very hot, dry place in the summertime. Even in the winter when it rains a lot, it can still feel dry there. The land there is more vata, while the land in Maine, where there is more moisture all year, feels more kapha. Both places go through the cycles of seasons where each dosha is more present. Summer is still pitta time, but in Nevada County, the summertime is more pitta vata. It is hot and dry. In Maine, summer is still pitta, but it's pitta kapha. It's humid, and there can be a heaviness or thickness in the air. Neither is better or worse. It's just different. I'm really interested in thinking about place and how the energies or constitutions of different places can affect us. It's something you may hear me talk about a lot, especially having lived on both coasts a couple of times. I just really notice the differences and how my body responds and how I feel living in different places. And I just think it's an interesting exploration. But getting back to Kappa, the qualities associated with Kappa Dosha are heavy, cold, slow or dull, oily, liquid, smooth, dense, soft, sticky or cloudy, hard, and gross. Gross being the opposite of subtle, not yucky. The color associated with kapha is white. So all white, like white mucus, um, the whites of our eyes, all the white, even the white blood cells in our bodies are all kapha. In the body, kapha is responsible for structure and lubrication. If you think of earth and stone, it's like the structure of our skeleton. Kapha makes up our body and gives shape and form to the cells, tissues, and organs of the body. And the water is the, is the liquid and lubrication in all parts of our body. The synovial fluid in the joints, lymph, mucus in our digestive system and in our nasal passages, the myelin sheath around the nerves, 
the water component of the gray matter of the brain are a few of the places that we find kapha in the body. This lubricating function of kapha helps to reduce friction in the body and protect the body. In the stomach, the stomach acids are pitta. They help transform the food. But the mucus is kapha. It protects the inner stomach lining from the acids in digestive enzymes. The other function of kapha in the body is cohesion or bringing together. Kapha molecules adhere together to create bigger molecules, so growth is essentially a kapha process. The main sites of kapha in the body are the stomach and lungs. If you get a cold with lots of white mucus and phlegm, that is an excess of kapha. Kapha season is spring. This is usually a time of lots of moisture. I think about mud season in New England being the perfect example of kapha season. If you think about some of the first plants and food that come up in the spring, like bitter greens, which are light and bitter, and these plants help to cleanse the accumulations of kapha that may happen from eating the heavier winter foods. This is also a reason that cleansing the body and spring cleaning our homes is popular in spring. It's a time to move any stuck kapha energy. Kapha times of day are 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. and 6 p.m. to 10 p.m. If you have ever suffered from vata insomnia, where you wake up between 2 and 6 a.m. and can't get back to sleep, but once 6 rolls around, you're all of a sudden heavy and sleepy and finally fall asleep, that's because you've moved from vata time to the slow, heavy, static kapha time. Same thing in the evening. Have you ever been exhausted between 6 and 10 p.m., like ready for bed after dinner, but then 10 p.m. rolls around and all of a sudden you have a second win and can't fall asleep? That's because you've moved from the heavy kapha time, 6 to 10 p.m., to the activated pitta time at 10. The kapha time of life is childhood. Think about the wonderful chubbiness of a baby or a young toddler or of all the mucus and phlegm that comes out of a child, which is seemingly endless. Anabolic changes are ruled by kapha. What I mean by anabolic is taking smaller structures like cells, nutrients, or amino acids and bonding them together to create bigger structures. It's that sticky quality of kapha that things there's a cohesion, a sticking together. Children are growing and literally building their structure through this anabolic process, which is kapha. I also think about seeing how quickly my son heals from cuts and scrapes. Wound healing is an anabolic process. The body is adding tissues and structures around the wound to help it heal. On the other hand, catabolic processes are considered vata. Catabolic changes happen when things are broken down in the body. For example, when food is broken down into smaller cells or fatty acids that your body uses. Or if your body doesn't have enough food, it's the process that breaks down your fat and muscle tissues to use as calories. The actual act of digestion is metabolic, it's pitta, but the breaking down is vata and the building up is kapha. The reason that I'm bringing this up is that if someone's pitta or vata are too high, they can break down the protective kapha molecules and create degenerative diseases. For example, the myelin sheath around nerves is a kapha structure, but if pitta is too high, it can literally burn the myelin sheath, which then makes space for vata to enter, which can result in a disorder like multiple sclerosis. The kapha predominant person has a solid structure. They are bigger boned with well-developed muscles. They have thick, smooth skin that often feels cool to the touch. They have thick, wavy, lustrous hair. Their eyes and other facial features are often large and soft. The sclera of their eyes is very white where a pizza person, it might be a little bit yellow. They have a moderate appetite where their digestion can be slow and sluggish, and they can have a tendency to gain weight easily and have a harder time losing it. 
This being said, a kapha predominant person should not try to be skinny. That is not their healthy body type. I grew up in the 80s and 90s where the standard of beauty was very specifically waif-like and skinny. And this has caused so much damage to the psyches of many women, but especially to the kapha predominant women whose beauty and health comes from a fuller body type. I have a pitta kapha constitution and I remember when I first started to study Ayurveda in my early 20s, I had some resistance to being identified as a Pitakafa person. The conditioning was so deep to prefer thinner bodies, and I'm honestly still unraveling it all. But through studying Ayurveda, I've discovered that healthy kapha is golden. And I think that the more we can begin to understand that every single body has a specific and unique set point for weight and health and vibrancy the more that we can begin to accept our bodies. And I'm definitely still doing the work around this. It's it's definitely something that's so deeply entrenched, but Ayurveda has really helped me with this to, to recognize when I'm in a place of balance and health and how my body feels and how it looks in those places. And I think what's been gold for me is really tuning into my internal experience and how I'm feeling in my body into the places, noticing what I eat and the amount of exercise I'm getting and noticing just how my body feels, how it's functioning, how my mind is in the morning when I wake up. I think that's been such an important part of my my learning about Ayurveda and about really tuning into my body and really seeing my body as a very specific and particular blueprint that nobody else can tell me where I'm healthy. Only I can really find that place where where I'm balanced, where I'm healthy. And there's a power in that. It's harder sometimes to constantly be tuning in and thinking about it, monitoring things, but there's also a power in, in letting health be an inside-out process. But back to kapha. Kapha folks are strong and steady and solid. They have strong inertia, When they are still, it can be really difficult to get them moving. But once they are moving, they have a strong stamina and can keep going for long periods of time. Because of their solidness, a kapha predominant person, when in balance, experiences good health. They can be slow and methodical in their learning, but once they learn something, they don't easily forget it. Kapha people experience deep, long sleep and can have a tendency to oversleep. In their personality, when they are in balance, they are grounded, kind, calm, and oh, so sweet. They are the earth mama or papa types and often have super big hearts and just that emanate love. One of the tastes associated with kapha is sweet. So sweet taste increases kapha and kapha people love sweets. Unfortunately, too much sweet can bring kapha out of balance. When kapha is out of balance, it can show up in the body as excess mucus, excess body weight, Swelling or watery tension, lethargy, a white coating on the tongue, feeling foggy, dull, or heavy in the mind, and having a hard time getting out of bed in the morning. If we go back to that sticky, cohesive quality of kapha and the anabolic processes, a tumor can be an example of excess kapha. The kapha accumulates into a mass of cells that grows and grows. When kapha is out of balance in the mind and emotions, it can show up as neediness, possessiveness, greed, attachment, stubbornness, complacency, and depression. When I look at the nervous system and the stress response through the lens of Ayurveda, I think of the parasympathetic freeze response relating to kapha. 
I think of the sympathetic flea response relating to vata, because when vata is out of balance, it can result in fear and worry. I think of the sympathetic fight response relating to pitta. When pitta is out of balance, it can result in anger and a fiery temper. So pitta, I would think of fight. Vata, I would think of flea. And kapha, I would think of a freeze response. Pitta and vata both share the light, mobile, and subtle qualities, which would lead to more active, sympathetic responses like fight or flee, where kapha has more heavy, slow, cold, and dense qualities, which would lead to the sympathetic freeze response where the body slows way down and is cold and still. And these are just some connections that I've been making recently. And so it's still really in a formulation place. And So I'm not totally sure how it corresponds. If it corresponds to a person's predominant dosha, if somebody is mostly pitta, if they will tend to have more of a fight response when put into acute stress, or if it has to deal with more of where a person is out of balance. So if the person is experiencing a vata imbalance, that they might tend toward more of a of a flight response or a flea response when under that acute stress. So I'm curious about this. If you have any thoughts or experience with this, if you know that you're a certain type of person, that you're a predominantly kapha person or that you have a kapha imbalance and you tend to freeze, I'd be curious to hear about it. If you wanted to find me on Instagram, it's at nourished nervous system on Instagram and you can DM me or uh, post post somewhere on one of my on one of my posts, I would love to hear about your experiences with your stress responses and your predominant or out of balance doshas. And so how do we balance kapha? So as we've talked about in past episodes, like increases like and opposites balance. So let's say you are a kapha predominant person and it's spring and you've been eating tons of cheese and heavy foods and it's been raining every day and you've been spending a lot of time sedentary. You're having a hard time waking up every morning and are sleeping in until 9 or 10. You wake up feeling groggy and just can't seem to get going. You feel lethargic throughout the day and are starting to feel some depression setting in. Some things you could do to counteract this excess kapha is to make yourself get up earlier, ideally before 6 a.m. when kapha time starts. And I know, I know, I know, I know, this can be really hard, especially for the kapha person and especially for a kapha imbalance. But if you can... Try to do this, set an alarm and just try to get up and get moving right away. It can really help to burn away that that fog and that fuzz. And it also will help you start to get to bed earlier and be more on uh, a schedule that could be more conducive for, for kapha. Exercising in the morning can also be helpful. Something like bouncing on a rebounder can be a quick and easy way to move some energy and cut through the heaviness of kapha or doing some jumping jacks, or a vigorous yoga practice, or hot yoga is great for kapha. Having the heat and the vigorous practice can be really, really good for kapha. Going for a jog, riding a bike, hiking a mountain, all of these things are great ways to to get kapha moving in the mornings. Hot water with lemon in the morning, or even a little coffee. So kapha is the only constitution that coffee is recommended in moderation, of course. Kapha constitution is so strong and solid and dense that 
It's the only one that can really have that little bit of caffeine that can actually kind of help cut through some of that heaviness and, and get it moving. For Pitta and Vata, Pitta has too much fire. Vata has too much mobility and air. So coffee, unfortunately, is not great for those constitutions. But for kapha, for a kapha person, it can really help them. And if you are a pitta or a vata person and, co- and coffee does work for your body type, that's great. If you notice that it makes you feel better, that you don't have any negative effects from it, then, you know, it's just continuing to listen to your body. But generally, we say that recommended for the kapha person. Eating light, bitter, and spicy foods can be helpful for kapha. Avoiding sweets, dairy, bread, and foods containing lots of water like cucumbers and watermelon. Sitting in a sauna can really be helpful for kapha, the heat, the dry. And just moving your body, moving it in the morning, moving in the afternoon, moving your body whenever you can can really help move that that kapha energy. Dancing is great. And you guys have to find, especially the kapha person, really has to find what's enjoyable for them because kapha does have that inertia. They're not, it's hard for them to get moving. So it really has to be something that's going to be fun that helps them to really feel the difference that it makes. When I was in Ayurveda school, one of the sayings when working with the doshas was treat vata like a gentle flower, pitta like your friend, and kapha like your enemy. Because of kapha's inertia, they can have a hard time and they need discipline and often a firm hand to help them get moving. In our world where there is so much vata vitiation, having some kapha is a blessing. If you have kapha, it is so precious. It is so, the kapha people, the kapha people are the ground. They are what keeps the vata and the pitta grounded and calm and rational. That grounded sweetness can be such a breath of fresh air. So if you're a kapha person, give yourself some love. And if you have kapha people in your life that are keeping you grounded, give them some love because kapha people love love. That's, that's for sure. So for your small steps this week, notice kapha dosha around you and within you. Whatever season you're in, whatever your climate is, notice if it's present or not present. If you're noticing an excess of kapha in your body, try one of the suggestions mentioned in this episode to begin to balance it. Thanks so much for being here. I love being with you. I hope you have a really great week. And we'll be here again next week. Hey there. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review. It helps new podcasts like this one get seen by other people. If you didn't like it, I hope you're not still listening. Life is way too short to listen to podcasts you don't like. 